Welcome to the Arcady Group Thinkers podcast. Uh, this is a show for nonprofit marketers, and it's really about the people who influence nonprofit marketing and fundraising. And, and unlike shows that talk about the craft of fundraising, we focus on the people, the pioneers, the uh, the thinkers, right? And, uh, and so... Uh, like past episodes, today we're going to be diving deep into the inspirations and motivations behind some of the brightest minds in and around the nonprofit sector. Uh, this is the first episode for us for 2024 and our 89th episode overall. And we're thrilled for what this year has in store for you as listeners of our podcast. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to take the chance to introduce Kate McKinley, who is the host of Arcady's newest podcast, Arcady Group Chats. Kate? Thanks, Justin. And uh, hey, everyone. Um, I'm super excited for this opportunity. Y'all both know that the Thinkers podcast is a long-form discussion with people focused on topics of leadership and innovation. Um, And Group Chats is our new show, and we'll bring you short chats with people who are working at and with nonprofits. Um, I'm super excited for this. Like I said, we want to really peel back the layers of who they are, Um, what they do, and what daily life looks like for people who work in purpose-driven roles. Yeah, Kate, we're we're super excited about it, too. I think RKD Group Chats is going to be a really cool way to shine light on some of the amazing individuals who are working for good. And compassion and purpose are the heart of what we do in this sector. So I'm excited to see some of these conversations. Uh, For our listeners, chats will appear in the same feed in the weeks between the thinkers episodes. So you don't have to look for it anywhere else or go find it. It'll, it'll, it'll come straight to you. Yeah. Kate's coming straight to you. We are thrilled Kate. Uh, and, and know that you're going to be able to tell some amazing stories of, uh, these wonderful people that we are fortunate to get to work with. So, uh, speaking of Ronnie, um, our episode today uh, really has an incredible uh, and exceptional thinker. Ronnie, tell us about our guest. Yeah, in the spirit of newness, uh, Stephanie Russell is our guest. She's RKD's new executive vice president of strategy and decision science. Um, she has a really uh, amazing career arc. She's been 25 years working through research and data and analytics in various roles. Um, and then, you know, as she got more into her career, it was applying that into the learnings from that into marketing strategy. So we we go into a lot of back and forth with her in this episode. And for me, one thing that stands out was how she's thinking about audiences and people differently. Um, you know, something that we're is it's moving to in the nonprofit space. Um, and we'll get into more of that in the episode. Yeah. Uh, very excited to have Stephanie on uh, to kick off the year. And so uh, before we get there, uh, listen, we love our listeners and uh, are so thankful that you choose to regularly spend time with us. And so if you like this episode, please uh, leave it a rating or a review on the platform where you're joining us from. Your reviews, uh, they help us bring you more discussions just like this. So with that, let's kick off 2024 with Stephanie Russell on Arcady Group Thinkers. Hi, Stephanie. 
Hi guys, how are you? We're good. We're good. It's a, a gloomy day here in Dallas. Uh, and I know you're headed our way, so sorry. I am. Um, hopefully the rain doesn't uh, delay my flights. It's sunny and beautiful and very snowy on the ground here in Maryland. So yeah, nice day. Yeah. the uh, We had our, our one winter fit, I think, that we're going to get in the last couple of weeks. And, and I think we're over it now. So we're good it. for one like super massive tantrum. The winter tantrums. Usually a week. It was like four days. Yeah. 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 Um, Stephanie, we're excited to chat with you. This is our first episode of the new year. So you're number one. No pressure. <laughs> no, no, no pressure. Um, uh, but we're, we're excited. You know, uh, we've gotten to spend some time with you. Uh, but as happens oftentimes whenever you... Uh, when you start a new role, like you, you dive immediately into stuff, right? Like it's into the thick of, of things in a lot of different ways. And so, um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation because I want to understand more of Stephanie Russell and, uh, and figure out like what makes you tick, how those things got there, all of those pieces. Sounds great. So you, uh, have spent 25-ish years in some version of research, analytics, and strategy. And where I want to start is, uh, how has that changed in 25 years? How has it stayed the same and how has it changed? Well, I guess it's always been very data-driven right from the beginning. And you've sort of brought up, as you introduced, you mentioned research. And I was thinking, gosh, I feel like I haven't done all that much research. But my career really did start in, in research and a lot of kind of controlled studies and um, in other research studies, which is sort of a good foray into some training that was very analytically oriented and sort of moving into you know, kind of more application into marketing and and fundraising uh, use cases. So yeah, data has stayed the same the whole way through. It's, uh, you know, they say your strengths are also your biggest biggest weaknesses, right? So just kind of being mindful, I'm a very analytical person. And that has always sort of fueled how I approach, um, you know, all things marketing, strategy, fundraising. Uh, but it's also something I need to kind of check and make sure I surround myself with with creativity and and kind of, you know, outside of the box thinking um, and not get too constrained by analysis and, and things, which some of us can can fall into that trap at times. Yeah, I think about um, some of the, you know, like season three of Mad Men, uh, I think is one of the first times where I think strategy comes up in that series. And, uh, and you know, it's somewhere in the, the plot where Harry Crane starts the media division and he's the one media person. Uh-huh. And he he comes into a meeting, and there's the the person that brings in the the dossier of information, and Draper, as Draper does, kind of looks at it and tosses it. And, <laughs> you know, there's we've data behind way. it. Yeah, we've come a long way. We really, really have uh, come a long way. Um, how do you how do you think about strategy? Like, what does it mean? What does being strategic look like, especially in 2024? 
Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a combination of that kind of more creative thinking and bottom-up analytical thinking, right? So again, my tendency is to lean into data and, and figure out where we can draw insights from data. But I think it's also really critical to just think top-down and take a step back. Um, so what's happening in the world right now? What's happening in culture, right? What is sort of in people's minds and their moments and their context, right? And sort of marrying that with the nuggets that you get from data work. And it's not, you know, data work to create facts, but really to try to tease out insights um, from those facts and sort of some of those aha moments. I think it's easy to get kind of stuck in a rut of like data and analysis just becoming reporting, um, which yes, that'll feed strategy, but not in a super thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. So um, really kind of marrying both again, that sort of like top down, bottom up in, in, in both contexts, trying to think as insightfully as we can about it. Right. Because because everything we do in marketing is it's data, like you're saying, but ultimately each of those data points, it's about people and it's about the audience. Like, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that, that connection between understanding people and then how you use that in strategy? Yeah. And I think our tendency is to want to get all the way down to one to one, which, yes, there are elements of, of personalization and marketing and fundraising that allow us to do that. Uh, but it's, you know, sort of really kind of getting into how can I think about audiences and groups of people and sort of, again, sort of that context they're in so that my messaging will resonate. But also, where can I find them? And can I find them in the context and in the headspace, right, that what I'm trying to articulate and the call to action I'm giving is going to resonate with them? And then, you know, sort of how do I then think about also the combination of channels? And, you know, we have a lot of com conversations about you know, the role of direct mail and for whom does that resonate with and for whom does it not resonate with? And, um, you know, but also kind of thinking about long form and short form and, you know, what what can you really articulate and, you know, sort of a couple second impression um, from a digital perspective. But I think that combination of those things can be really powerful if you're being mindful of, you know, sort of individual and, and group audiences and kind of where they are both, again, from a targeting and a messaging perspective. What was the, what were the, like the formative moments that made, uh, that opened this space for you? Like what, what, if you rewind back to, you know, high school, Stephanie, or even college, Stephanie, <laughs> what, what were the things that made you think, you know what, this is, uh, this is the step that I, I feel like I should take. Yeah. I think I did an independent. So in college, I was sort of that nerdy person who, you know, I was an econ major, but really enjoyed econometrics and statistics. Uh, and I did an independent study, um, you know, sort of focused on explanatory and, and econometric modeling. And the idea that you could compile that much data, and I sort of enjoyed the art of programming. Um, you know, so I was once a hands-on keys programmer way back in the day. Uh, and just the fact that, again, you could sort of shape that much information at your fingertips and kind of glean insight from it was really fascinating to me. And so the ability to then apply that skill set into the world was really compelling. And that, to your point, in the beginning started with research. And then I very quickly, you know, sort of leaned into marketing and just found marketing a really fascinating application for that, you know, kind of econometric kind of mindset. I too uh, benefited from an independent study. I, I'm a huge fan of, you know, taking a chance on doing something like that because yeah. uh, the 
accessibility typically of the professor that you're working with and yeah. uh, and having that help form and shape and it it you know stands the test of time for me is something that I yeah. look back on fondly uh, and mine was in script writing right so yeah, it's like still yours in. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, screenplay writing uh, with Brian Elliott was the name of the professor and it was myself and a um, uh, a guy who he and I wrote a lot of things together. Um, he has pursued a career in stand-up comedy. Uh, and so we both find like different aspects of storytelling that mm-hmm. came from that independent study. And so I do think that those can be super, super formative. Okay, so I've, I have another question that I'm sure Ronnie wants to get back to like modern marketing, things like that. But, 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 but we just learned prior to jumping on the air that uh, that you were also a... Uh, a soccer player, a, a very competitive soccer player and uh, center mid and center back. And this is where Ronnie falls asleep as a part of the conversation. It's fine. Um, uh, draw some connections for our listening audience between yeah. the role of a center back and the role of a strategist. Yeah. So I'm glad that you chose center back, right? Because it's ironically, I was just talking to somebody on my team Friday because she played soccer as well. And I was like, I bet you played sweeper and center back. Um, and sort of the analogy I was using is you're sort of able, you're able to see the whole field, right? And there's lots of different things happening. And the ability to kind of anticipate those next couple of moves, I think is what really differentiates a good center back from a great center back. Um, and so when you sort of think about all the different moving parts, when we're we're sort of orchestrating an experience and, and strategize an experience for um, a client and their their constituents. You kind of have to see all those moving pieces. But then also, too, once you get into each activation and the production of that, um, there's also a lot of moving pieces in, in each of those, right? All the different parts need to kind of come together. Um, and yeah, there's tons of process and things that we apply to make that go smoothly. But I think somebody who's able to understand the mechanics of all the pieces and kind of be able to take a step back to, to have the mindset to take a step back, uh, but also kind of see how all the orchestration is coming together. That's a really, really powerful thing, both in soccer and in business, ironically. I, that, that was an A plus comparison right there. I got to say. I mean, I, I, I didn't know you were going to ask that question. Yeah. But it literally came up on Friday. So <laughs> That's amazing. About. It was like a perfect connection. It made me think of Justin when we had our, our team meeting question of which, which planet do you most associate with? And we all had to think on the spot about that and come up with something that some sort of explanation of why too. Well, um, please don't ask me that question because but like, I'm planting it now so that we can ask it later. It's like, just, you need to think about it. I'm trying to think of my little acronym so that I even know all the parts. Right, right, right. I'm curious. I want to, I want to back up a little bit when you were talking about um, the application of strategy and you mentioned context being important to understanding people and and where they are. Can you un- mm-hmm. like talk about that a little bit more, like unpack that? What, what do you mean by context? Yeah, I think there's a whole range of it, right? So like right now, all of us are living in this context where there's inflation, right? There's some, we were just talking in the beginning before we started recording about weather patterns kind of changing. You know, there continues to be sort of war 
right, in in the world, right, which is kind of influencing. We're about to go into an election cycle, which is sure to be, you know, taking up a lot of people's headspace and conversation. So I think there's both this sort of broader context of, of, of just being mindful of what's happening in the world. And then there's an individual's context, right? So I don't know about you guys, but I hate nothing more than being on sort of a personal social media site like Instagram or admittedly still use Facebook and people bring business into it, right? It just drives me nuts, right? So it's also being mindful of, you know, as you're trying to, you know, target a donor or a prospective donor, a constituent or anybody from a marketing context, where you're choosing to have that conversation, is it the right place, right? And does your messaging sort of align with the place where you're finding them? Um, and certainly you have more control over that um, in a digital context as you're sort of pushing kind of print and other kind of broader, maybe video communications out. You may have less knowledge or, um, you know, kind of ability to kind of control those things matching up well. But I think it's that combination of both of them that that matters a lot. And I think we sometimes get half of it right and then we forget the other half. Um, and increasingly, as we've become much more tech and data enabled, I feel like we're getting the latter half right, right, where especially again in digital, we're kind of being contextually relevant in the moment, but then sort of forgetting to toggle our messaging based on people's people's broader context and being audience specific about it, right? Like it's hard to, you know, what resonates with different people based on what's happening in the world isn't going to be the same for everyone. So starting right. to think about different per- permutations of your messaging is is really important. Yeah, this is uh, this is a really interesting time in in nonprofit marketing and fundraising, and for so many different reasons. And uh, and you mentioned just so much of the noise, like in the current context or on the horizon. And yeah. for better or worse, we tend to think in twelve month cycles, uh, and and many yeah. times I think it's for worse, right? Uh, but yeah. you know the understanding people's context and putting them in cohorts has probably never been more challenging for nonprofit marketers and also never been more needed. Um, and, and here you are coming in to help lead that sort of effort in strategy and decision science. And, um, and so how do you think about that in terms of the work ahead and, helping uh, mature how strategic practices uh, play out so that nonprofits can better connect with folks? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about making sure that the complexity you're introducing and being audience specific doesn't outweigh the benefit of the value you're going to get from it, right? So being mindful of where there's downstream effort for deploying, you know, kind of audience specific you know, kind of uh, campaigns and messaging and personalization. We just have to be sort of mindful of that. I'd say increasingly the things that we can do in all channels, whether, you know, ranging all the way from direct mail through to, to paid search, kind of the ability to be personalized is getting much and much easier and faster, right, in terms of availability of data and then the platform's ability to execute that. I think a lot of times where we're challenged is sort of that sweet spot of creating assets, Right, that are both resonant and you know, kind of in that right right channel, um, and a lot of that starts with upfront planning. Right, we're having a lot of folks in, in planning cycles now. We're talking about lead times and you know why it takes as long as it takes. Right, and kind of getting some of those assets 
organize and pull together. And again, thinking about our planning in an audience-centric way, um, I think for a lot of the industry is a little bit of a shift as much as we've been talking about it for so long. So I think sort of, you know, once we get past the socialization, starting to plan in that way, and then again, sort of think about the pull through of kind of the audience data. Do we have it? You know, do we have the assets that are, you know, going to be audience specific and personalized and also making sure we don't, to, to my earlier point, go overboard there, right? Because we've done that um, as an industry at points too, right? Where we sort of get complex for complexity's sake, because theoretically it feels like the right thing to do, um, you know, but the kind of cost benefit isn't quite there. But I will say just the, the pace with which tech is catching up with us and and sort of the ability to do dynamic things and creative and even in a direct mail context is getting better every day. And so it's super exciting time to be a strategist and be somebody who thinks about audience first and in terms of the power of what we can do there is pretty fun. I'm curious, you just were talking about audience first. Um, in the nonprofit space, we often talk about how nonprofits are a little behind the for-profit world just just by nature of not having budgets for you know extensive R&D and things like that. Having worked in the for-profit space in the B2B world, what are some of the things that you're most excited to be bringing to nonprofit organizations? Is it that audience first mindset? Is that one of them? Yeah, that's definitely um, a part of it. And then also, I think there's fairly traditional ways we think about audience in the nonprofit space in terms of like just the fundamental industry ways we think about, you know, new donors and core donors and sustainers and all that, which is great. Um, I think we have opportunity to kind of further dissect, right, and think about people's context attitudinally, right, motivationally, emotionally, kind of where are they? Um, I will say the commercial space, this is one of those areas where, you know, we've often done that and then sort of the ability to actually deploy it at scale gets tricky, right? Commercial organizations love to field um, quant and qual studies and understand all these emotive things. And then you get to the point where you're trying to apply that to tens and hundreds of millions of people. And you're like, oh, I don't know their attitudes and motivations, right? So I think making sure you're starting with the end in mind and knowing how you're going to deploy and execute and then sort of, you know, overlaying some some research and getting more kind of motivational attitudinal insight on that in a way that you can then sort of scale. I think there's a ton of power there. And frankly, you know, even sort of in the commercial space, I think it's spotty where we've done that effectively. But, I, you know, I, as we think towards you know, future from a fundraising perspective, I think there's a lot of power there to just, you know, continue to adapt and be audience centric from a classical life cycle perspective, but then starting to get into to motivations and emotions. Pretty cool. There's so much of this, Stephanie, that I feel like is, um, has the potential to propel the sector forward and to solve for many of the long tailed challenges that we see in the sector. And so I have like George Burns dressed as an angel sitting on one shoulder telling me that. And then I have George Burns dressed as a devil sitting on the other shoulder saying, you're dating yourself. I try to work in as many George Burns references as I can. All the time. Really That's trying my to first that 18 to 24 demographic. <laughs> but, but like, but we were talking earlier just about the, the noise. And, and so um, in the midst of still this season and storm of uncertainty, 
why is now the time that we are going to be able to take these leaps forward? So tie that back to your George Burns reference in terms of why we can, why we can't. Is that sort of what those yeah. two George Burns yeah. are giving you? Yeah. I mean, look, I think change is hard for everyone, right? And and especially in fundraising and nonprofit, being mindful of how accountable we need to hold every dollar is, is constantly top of mind. Uh, that said, I think the push towards audience centricity and personalization and also, right, thinking about privacy and handling of data has been part of the conversation for so long. And it really does just take time and repetition and a little bit of comfort in terms of, yep, this has been proven in the commercial space, right? And we're, we're prepared and ready to ad- adopt it. Um, on the fundraising side, I think we're sort of at that sweet spot where we've, we've had the conversations for a while and they're starting to become much more comfort with it and, and more willingness to, to kind of deploy and, and move that forward. So, so many George Burns's. <laughs> Stephanie, I'm curious, um, along your career, we've talked, you know, about 25 years of your path, who, who've been some of the people that have, have shaped you, have helped you grow, you know, have taught you things that you you're applying today. Yeah. So it's interesting. I was thinking about, uh, this earlier and kind of back to the sports reference. I actually had a coach in, uh, I think it was my junior varsity basketball team who was just sort of really resonated with me in terms of like, there's always going to be things. And I had some business conversations this week and last around this as well. There's always going to be challenges that are thrown to you on the court, right? And you just have to push through and persevere and and not make excuses, right? Because we're all dealing with stuff, right? So when we think about sort of the complexity of the world of marketing and fundraising, like just that message has always stuck with me. Uh, And then certainly from a professional perspective, you know, I've had a lot of great leaders and mentors and managers. And I think starting from the top, I had the really great benefit of having a CEO for, you know, well over a decade who just was a fantastic visionary, right? And was someone... And I... I didn't realize how important that was until I was in places where we didn't have that presence as much. Um, With that vision, I sort of took it for granted, right? But the ability to kind of set the vision and the charter for an organization, I think is critical. Um, Super excited about Chris's role in in doing that for RKD, tons of of potential there. And I think, you know, sort of already seeing a lot of that same style of leadership. And then also along the way, I've just had great sort of day-to-day managers who always, you know, left me with really good nuggets along the way in terms of, you know, just things that have stuck with me. Sometimes you need to ask forgiveness, not permission. And, you know, just kind of some of those mantras that I don't, you know, sort of realize, but have pervaded kind of my day-to-day and how I operate. So, um, you know, just in in wrapping our time, Stephanie, because I know you get a, a flight to get to. Um, in, in wrapping our time for our listening audience, you know, it's a, it's a combination of, of practitioners and, uh, leaders and, uh, folks that sit in various parts of the nonprofit marketing and fundraising cycle and space. Um, if you were going to give them one, uh, piece of advice in terms of moving forward, how they 
think about or implement strategy this year, what would that what would that be? Yeah, so actually to to quote that kind of visionary leader I mentioned, uh, what got us here won't get us there. So I think the the sort of reliance on, you know, what we've been doing and what's working, not to toss that out, right, but to kind of think about how we turn the corner. Particularly, we had a lot of great fundraising momentum over the pandemic, right? And so we saw a lot of good results. I think it's easy to rest on your laurels there, um, you know, but continuing to challenge ourselves um, in terms of how we think about our strategy and take that step back um, as we look to the future. Is really that's good. a good word. That's <laughs> that's that's going to go in my notes. I've got a, a, a little soundtracks and that's going to go in there. So awesome. for sure, for sure. Okay. Stephanie, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, travel safe and, and uh, I get to see you in person this week. So I'm excited. I know. I'm excited. Good to see you guys. Good to chat. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, including how you can partner with RKD to accelerate growth for your fundraising and nonprofit marketing needs, visit rkdgroup.com.